Hey, we're back. This is Joe and TJ from the Schoolhouse 302, and you're listening to our Focus Ed podcast. Focus Ed is your educational leadership podcast. In every episode, it's our mission to focus on one aspect of teaching and leading in school so that you can make progress in your district, school, or classroom with even more knowledge, better understanding, and a clear direction on what to do next for your students and staff. In each show, we ask an expert guest to join us and we dissect their work and tons of other information about leading better and growing faster in schools. We're only doing 14 episodes per school year and we hope you'll listen to all 14. The guest list is incredible. Don't miss a single show and do us a favor. Please like, share and follow Focus Ed on SoundCloud, iTunes and our website, theschoolhouse302.com. And now for another episode of Focus Ed. Each episode of Focus Ed, we invite expert guests to join us. In this episode, we have Dr. Susan Bunting with us. We are extremely thrilled Dr. Bonnie, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. So this month, we are focused on one of the most important things in school, we would argue the important, most important thing, which is the classroom, teaching and learning. But how do you navigate all of that during a crisis? And so we're going to get into that today. TJ, tell our audience a bit more about Susan. Sure thing, Joe. Thanks for that. After teaching in Maryland for seven for several years, Dr. Susan Bunting joined Indian River School District in Delaware in 1977 as a middle school language arts teacher, later teaching gifted education. She was named Indian River's Teacher of the Year shortly after that in 1985. She then served as a supervisor of elementary instruction and also as director of instruction before taking on the position as superintendent in 2006. Dr. Bunting was named Delaware's 2012 Superintendent of the Year, and she was one of four finalists for the American Association of School Administrators, AASA, National Superintendent of the Year Award. Susan went on to serve as Delaware's Secretary of Education from 2017 until just recently in 2021. She's a former adjunct faculty member at the University of Delaware and Wilmington University, where we also know she's picking up some doctoral classes here after her retirement. And she's has a number of degrees in education, including her bachelor's of arts in K to eight education and psychology from the American University in Washington, DC, a master's degree in education from Salisbury State University and a doctorate in educational leadership from University of Delaware. Okay, Dr. Bunting, we wanna jump right in. Um, you've had an incredible career holding many different positions, excelling at all of them, always focused on teaching and learning. You could hear that in the titles. Most recently, like I said, Delaware Secretary of Education, during what we would call one of the most challenging times in education and in our world. But you've always been able to, and we, we've seen that, keep the main thing the main thing, which is very hard to do. And so this leads to our first question. How can administrators focus on what's most important in schools, which is teaching and learning, including a priority on a viable curriculum, instruction, and assessment, 
while we continue to be what seems like an endless crisis of happenstance after happenstance, how can we keep the main thing the main thing as you have always done in your career? TJ, I think we have to always think about the students. And if we center our attention on our students, then we're headed in the right direction. Our, our students have varied needs. And as you mentioned, how do we do this with a viable curriculum and make instruction something that we can handle? We do have to think about the academic piece of our students' needs right now, plus the social and emotional impact of what we've been through. And that extends to our, our staff members as well. But I have a lot of faith in the fact that our teachers and our leaders in our schools are learning leaders. And with that in mind, I think they have to cut to the chase. They have to go for exactly what must be done. There are lots of extra things and we try to make learning as fun and as enjoyable for our students as possible as we support their needs. But we do have to look at the core of what it is that our kids need in fourth grade or what they need for algebra to get through the other advanced maths, for example. So we, we really need to cut it back and think about what's the, the, the essential part of it. School will never be the same. Uh, we have had um, an, uh, an adventure that's not finished yet, but we've, we've really had to change very quickly, maybe without time to give it all the thought that we might have given some of the changes that we've had to make. But I think that we do need to really look at the core of our curriculum and what it is that is most important for our students. Um, I have um, a lot of faith, as I mentioned, in the leaders in our buildings. Not too long ago, and I think it applies to today, I did a seven C's chat uh, for them, but think about these seven C's as you continue to work through whatever it is that we're tackling in our buildings. And I think they come into play even more right now than ever before. But our, um, our roles as administrators, first, we have to be the captain of the ship and chart the course for where we're going. And with that, you've got to chart the course for your crew. So, so much happens because of the strong leadership that has to be at the helm of a building that's going to be really successful. Secondly, that captain of the ship has to be a collaborator. It's not a one-person deal. So the collaboration skills that we need to develop as we try to keep our students moving forward is really, really important. And along with that comes the third C, which is communication uh, with staff members, with parents, with community members. Uh, I think that um, that connector is a, a role that we have to play as leaders in our buildings. I'd also say that you have to be as a building leader, a coach all the time. There is no in or out of season, except maybe sometimes during the summer. But uh, keeping your, your team moving forward and keeping it as a team that's cohesive and, as I said, is moving in the same direction is so important. And as a building leader, right now you have to be a cheerleader. There is so much that has changed and so many things that we're dealing with. If the person at the head of the building is not one who is going to keep the, the team moving forward and keep the morale up and keep the encouraging words happening, then I think it's going to be very, very difficult to successfully get through this challenge that we've had. So put that all together. And I think also that that, uh, that leader has to be a catalyst for change. As I said, school is never going to be the same. 
but we have strong leaders in Delaware and we have magnificent programs like the one that's going on today. And we have others in the state where our leaders can get together and have these conversations and try to decide how do we deal with what it is we need to deal with while we're trying to move forward. I know it's not a very popular topic, but I also think that we have to depend upon data. I know everybody, many people are opposed to gathering data in the fact that they think we're losing our valuable time to testing, but there are various ways that we get data. But if we're really going to move our students forward, we're going to have to be the one that somehow gets the data that we need to analyze exactly what it is that our students need and where they are so that we can keep them uh, progressing. And another piece that when we talk about getting through all this, I think we have to look to the future and recognize the invaluable role that preparing our students before they come to kindergarten has to play. So I'm a big believer in the early childhood movement. I'm excited about the fact that we're looking at some kind of broader preschool program for our students in the state of Delaware. And I know that's not a short-term situation or a short-term fix, but I think long-term that's going to be a very valuable piece about what we are doing to invest in learning and help us through whatever challenges we might face as we go through the next couple of years in our, in our school system. So a long answer to a short question, but I think that there have been uh, some valuable lessons. I think we've discovered some things that are going to be with us for a long time. And so returning to my seven C's, as you leaders are catalysts for change and for survival uh, right now and, and coaching your teams through what they have been enduring in the last almost two years now, keep that in mind that you need to be aware of the, the positives that we have pulled from this. We didn't ask for it, the challenge, but we have met the challenge, and we will continue to move through it uh, for the sake of our students. So I'm back to that student focus. Dr. Bunting, there's a, a, an enormous amount to really focus and reflect on. I, I, I will say the no in and out of season with coaching resonates a great deal. I mean, if anyone has joined administration, you realize even during normal times, the summer and so forth is really that's when the planning and prep really begins. We would, I know TJ and I've discussed this, we'd even begin say that begins even sooner than the school year ending. With most of the individuals on this call and listen to focus ed, you know, as administrators, the enormity of the task we've heard to even to really confront some of what you described with the seven C's. The normandy of the task at times can be overwhelming. Can you talk about that a little bit? And you've mentioned faith a lot about, you know, how do we move forward with faith? I love the fact when people draw a distinction between faith and hope, I think there's a difference between the two. But in regards to like really tackling the work and knowing that this is something we're all living with each day bring something new. We could also talk about what many mentioned as the dual, dual pandemics with systemic racism. You know, how is an administrator, young or veteran, you know, really move forward with dealing with the enormity of what they're being asked to do right now? You know, you've heard this saying about, or the question about how do you digest an elephant? And the answer is you take it one bite at a time. 
When I feel overwhelmed about something or I look at the task and it seems so enormous that no human being could tackle the task or successfully complete the task, I step back and say, all right, tomorrow, what is it that I need to do tomorrow that is a start and a doable start? And so if I take it apart and do a little bit each day, backward mapping from where I need to be, and I do take a look at how many days I have to accomplish something or some of the parameters there. But if I take a little bit at a time and successfully do that little bit, first of all, I do feel like I'm making progress. And then I can chip off another piece of this block and and go at it again. And sometimes you have to back up. You don't always succeed in all the things that you plan for the day. But if you keep moving forward a little at a time and give yourself the credit for what you have accomplished, I think you can really, you can tackle those big tasks and you can get through it. You know, there are There are days when you don't think you have anything to be grateful for, or you haven't had too many positives, but if you really step back and reflect, there have been some good pieces that have occurred during that day. So we have to have faith in ourselves. And I think we have to have the camaraderie that enables us to bolster the spirits. I talked about being a cheerleader. You have to do that for your co-administrators as well. And sometimes for yourself. To, to try to look at the positives and not let the massive weight of what comes with some of the non-positives and the extras that we've had to face. You just have to keep trying to move forward and trying to be that encouraging voice if you're going to make sure that things, things happen and people can continue to, with some kind of spirit and hope, get through whatever it is that they're working on. Dr. Bunting, you talk about being a cheerleader. I think that's great advice for the folks on this call and our listeners. In your seven C's, as Joe said, it resonates. I wonder, as you've traveled around Delaware and really around the nation, it's a two-part question. What's the one thing or thing that you see that we do well that you would champion, that you have that faith in, that you would cheer and say, you know what, we're getting this part right. And then is there something you would say there's still there's this couple of things here that we really need to work on? And what would you narrow those down to? That could take a lot longer than we have today, TJ. <laughs> but one thing that I think we do right in Delaware, Delaware, as we recognize, is a relationship state and we are team players. And fortunately, we up and down the state have the opportunity to meet and work with each other. That, to me, is a distinct advantage. There's just a different a different feel here in Delaware among educators because it's possible. You know, I look across the screen today and I've had the fortune, good fortune of working with with many of the people on the screen, or at least I've heard their names. So there's something personal that's a touch there. I also think that in Delaware, one thing we can really be proud of is the way we continually look at our evaluation system and we try to revise it and we try to use that system to grow. It's not a gotcha system. It hasn't been for a while, but after you get into the rut, sometimes uh, it it becomes a little more that way. But I'm really encouraged about the, the thinking, the philosophy behind what it is that we're doing with the evaluation system, which I think helps us be a coach as administrators. And it helps with the communication. And it's Again, it's that broadcasting of a philosophy that this is going to make you better or me better or us better as a team, and we're going to be able to do more for students because of that. So I think that 
that is something that we need to be given a lot of credit for. We've never been shy about having certain districts or schools that will uh, be the guinea pigs, the experimenters, and try to think of a better way to build a system. So give us a pat on the back for that. I think that's something that we we can do because we communicate with each other and we do have relationships up and down the state. So what can we improve on? You know that we have a long way to grow with a long way to go right now with our student achievement. I mean, it's something that I think most of us lose sleep over. We know that our students have not fared as well as we would have hoped or we would have been able to um, engender if they were in our classrooms on a day-to-day basis. Um, We have territory to make up. We're working hard at doing that, but I, I will confess that that's something that I, as I said, lose sleep over and know that we're going to have to continue to work at for a while, knowing that if we keep at it, it will happen, but it's not going to happen overnight. And that's something that going back to my seven C's, that being that encourager, that that cheerleader, that collaborator, we're in it together. And so, to you know, as a as a team, we're going to be able to, I hope, uh, overcome some of those things. With that, we need to relook at our curriculum and going back to our earlier conversation, make sure that we are pulling out the essentials and really hitting those hard to make sure our kids have the foundation to be moving from course to course or for the younger ones from grade level to grade level. So some revision there is in store as well. And, you know, we could keep that list going for a long time, but uh, I think we have the thought in Delaware, the determination that we can always do whatever it is a little bit better than we did it before. So we're always looking for that way to make it better for our students. I think it's of critical importance, Dr. Bunny. I don't want to lose sight of this or anyone for that matter on the call. You're right. Evaluation systems and data typically don't inspire enthusiasm. You're 100% right. You know, and a lot of times if you bring that up, it could go downhill quick. However, I do want to just point out how you frame that because it's about relationships. I think you've tied it back to that. It's about people and it's about the process itself, about getting better, about growing. And I do think that's something really that we are fortunate in Delaware, that there's a focus, especially from the leaders, the Department of Ed and in other areas um, that even speak to this show, you know, what we're doing here and the collaboration and communication that exists. If you don't mind, I I know, uh, you know, we have a timeline and this is where TJ will text me later. But you had mentioned, and I don't know if we got to take it literal, but I do want to get a a somewhat granular. When you say you lose sleep over, and these are things that keep you up at night, you know, in your career, what are some of those things that you've really wrestled with? And I, I, forgive me for making it that personal, but I want to go that route because I think so many leaders doubt themselves in the sense that should I be feeling this way? And things like imposter syndrome kick in. Is this right? You you herald guys like Jack Welch and they're like these iron minds and steel fists, but most of us aren't built that way, especially not in education by any stretch. So if you wouldn't mind, could you touch on that a little bit? Maybe some of the self-care that you've taken, but some of those battles 
that you've had with yourself to keep focused, to keep going, knowing that this is by far an easy job? I'll make you laugh first by saying that I am a very sound sleeper. So when I say I lose sleep, I sometimes have trouble going to sleep because of something. But I try to catch myself when I I feel myself sinking into that, I don't want to say defeatist kind of concept, but I've learned if I'm super tired, which we educators can do very easily, can let ourselves get run down. We, we don't take care of ourselves enough. And I have to recognize that sometimes, many times when something is really bothering me, it's because I am tired and I'm letting it win. <laughs> and then I have to do something to get myself out of that funk. Um, starting with the pandemic, I, I took up walking. It was a, we actually had a challenge at the department and that strangely enough has been a, a godsend to me through the last two years. I need to escape the walls of anything and get outside and walk my couple of miles. I do have a treadmill. So when the weather is like it is right now, I have to be inside, but I find that that truly helps me and hopefully keeps me a bit healthier and with a brighter mind. I also have to find something for myself that I can sneak in that would be just mindless. You know, sometimes it's it's working on a thousand piece puzzle that, uh, you know, just something that takes me totally away from any thought that I might have dealing with education. Sometimes it's playing Scrabble on my iPad. You know, I just have to get my mind totally off what it is that seems to be the cloud that hangs there. I sometimes talk about, you know, remember in Winnie the Pooh, there was always a little cloud that hung over his head. And so I, I, I work against that, knowing that that's just human and we do carry such weight right now. So I really urge all of you to do something in the day that is not school related, that takes your mind off whatever it is. You may still have kids that are involved in sports teams and so forth. And you know, something that just takes your mind off the weight of what it is that we are carrying all day long. And I think that will, that will help. So I have to, to work at that too, Joe, when it's time to go to sleep so that I can sleep soundly. I'm a great sleeper, but I, I do I do worry about our students, worry about our students being fed, being warm, being treated equally. I'm a big advocate for that kid who doesn't have anybody else to advocate for him or her. So I have a real interest in the equity issue that we're now looking at in Delaware and trying to make things more equitable for our students. I want every student to have a brighter future and a fair chance at a really successful life. So I watch for things of that nature. Just part of what I, I do, I have a big heart for kids. Yeah, thank you for that answer. Lots of insight there. And I think specificity too, with the getting outside, turning off the mind, uh, working on something that's not education related each day. I think everybody on this call could heed that advice. We want to switch gears just a little bit here and ask you a few questions that we have that our listeners have said they get a lot from, from the leaders who we interview. And I think this was a nice segue into this question in terms of what you lose sleep over and the students who we need to advocate for who don't necessarily 
have that advocate, if you are going to improve the student experience in, in every school, what's the one thing that you would like to see done? TJ, I really believe in the use of, of data. I need to know where my students are so that I can really target, I can focus in on what each one of them needs if I was in the classroom. But that's true also as a building leader. I need to know where my students as a whole happen to be. And then I can better guide my teachers, my curricular teams, depending on the size of your school, my support staff, you know, I, I can focus more specifically on what it is that is best is best for each student or classes of students if I know exactly where they are. So I use that data for designing what needs to be done, and then I can make sure that I'm engineering things as a building leader to make sure that that happens. We're blessed right now to have a lot of extra supports in our schools, but they need to be used very effectively. So again, I need to know exactly which of my students or which of my teachers need certain things. And, and that, um, you know, it stretches from what we use for curriculum in schools to development of talent, to giving people extra opportunities, but I need to know what, what I'm dealing with. So I think that's one of the really strong points that I can best use everybody's skills and talents if I know exactly where recipients of their, their work happen to be and what I need to do for those, those students or those teams of teachers. I mean, it stretches all the way up. It's a, it's a system. I also mentioned uh, to improve student performance. I believe we have a wonderful opportunity to enhance their performance by getting some of our students into, into uh, preschool earlier the very first day, or the three of the first seven days I was at the department, we were in front of the Joint Finance Committee, and I remember Senator McDowell asking if I had a magic wand, what would I do with it? And I said I would make sure that all my economically challenged preschoolers had the advantage of coming to a preschool program before they came to kindergarten, because I just could see the difference that would make in their whole trajectory. So I hope I hit some of the things. I also think we need a lot more training in SEL work as individuals so that we can watch for and then when we see student needs. So that's part of the data too. Data isn't always numbers. Data is being able to, to know where we are with other kinds of needs for our students. So I hope that helps a bit. Absolutely. Dr. Bunny, thinking about teaching and learning and, or even leadership, is there a particular resource that you're very fond of that supports just be something that you've relied on or, you know, others rely on that's very effective? TJ, I had to smile because a couple of weeks ago when we had our holiday luncheon at the department, one of the questions that was asked about me was what was my favorite book? And I, through the years, have really thrived upon leadership development with my teams back in the district and then seeing some of the things we've been able to do at the department because of the leadership initiatives and what you're doing uh, just even in this kind of realm. But my favorite book is Lincoln on Leadership. And I've, I'm absolutely inspired but overwhelmed at how the advice that he gave long ago 
175 years is just as important now as it was then. If you haven't read that, I strongly advise picking it up. Amazon sends it. I, I keep ordering them and giving them away to people. But there's just so much there that spoke to me as a leader that I have used with many groups. And they will, you know, whether you're the transportation director or you're a classroom teacher or you're a budding administrator, there's just so much there. And you can have that common language and common understanding about how to work with with people and to move teams forward and so forth. So uh, a strong recommendation on that one. That's phenomenal. It's a great book. I already linked it in the show notes for everybody who, who gets the show and listens. And so you can click right on that, pick it up. Sticking with that same theme, and we know, you know you're, you've a great deal of education, your background. We know you're a learning leader. You mentioned that before. Are there any other resources, including books, and even people outside of education who you would follow and highlight on this call for those of us who want to lead better and grow faster? I highly recommend people, just as you're having this group learning opportunity today. We've talked before about the power of the collaboration and the connections that we have here in Delaware. So I strongly support groups, you know, DASA and being connected with a CCSSO or AASA or whatever it happens to be, the Superintendent Study Council, whenever you have any of these opportunities, you're going to profit from the interaction with, with job alikes, as they call them, or, or peers. If you have time when you're in the car, if you're not taking that opportunity to get your mind totally off education, you know, we have access now to podcasts. We, we have readings. We have videos that are short and sweet at times and deeper if you want more information. I also am going to strongly encourage you, if you haven't thought about working on your doctorate, you will gain immensely from continued conversation. And in a program of that sort, you're going to not only interact with others, but you're going to be doing the readings and the action research and you just continue to grow as you continue to encourage your teachers under you to grow and teachers encouraging their students to grow. So I think being a lifelong learner is really, really important, although we won't forever be connecting with formal programs, just knowing that you need to be continuing your expansion, your growth as a leader, I think is, is really important. I'm glad you're mentioning podcasts, Susan, since this is one of them, and we'll, we'll give that shout out. But uh, funny, I uh, first heard about Thousand Piece Puzzles. Now, granted, I've heard about them before, but <laughs> in the way you said to work them in a mindful way was in a podcast with Hugh Jackman being interviewed by Tim Ferriss. And TJ told me I had to listen to it. It's one of the best interviews I've heard. And Hugh Jackman his insight on life and things is pretty, pretty wild. And then the walking, not running. I think this is important for people to realize because as a runner, the people know the story with TJ and I, this started all of all with he and I running in white clay with the idea of us talking about work to kind of not bring it home as much, but believe it or not, Snoop Dogg attributes most of his success to take him walks. And he said it, it is, especially later on in his career, 
when he started feeling this enormous amount of pressures coming from multiple angles, walks really helped him an immense amount. So I think it's interesting. I encourage everybody to dig into podcasts as well. There's thousands of out there also. Dr. Bonnie, final question. If you were to write a book or you want somebody to write one, what would you want that title to be? I'm, I'm going to quote one of, of my, my peers who said the other day, you should write a book, Susan, and it, it should say grace under fire. But I thought it was really interesting to hear that word used and to have somebody think that we have been under fire for a while. And I, I guess we have. Uh, the last couple of years have been quite interesting, of course, most recently with masks and, and the COVID situation. But hopefully, as we deal with members of the public, we remember that they are people and that we need to be responding to whatever their concerns happen to be with with grace. I've often said I'm a mother first, and then I'm an educator, so I understand from a parent's perspective. You also have to remember you can't deal with crazy, uh, but you do have to, to understand where people are coming from. So maybe I would, I would go with that. We certainly have had challenges lately. And as you take on new tasks and new positions, those, those will continue, hopefully not in quite the same vein that we've had in the last two years. But just remember that people appreciate a listening ear and they appreciate someone who is going to try to make them feel that their concern is a valid one and possibly move them towards some kind of solution. So a uh, long answer to a short question, Joe, but I, I have to think more fully about that. I just thought it was, a, it was an interesting response from a fellow superintendent. Thank you for that, Susan. That'll be a great title. So we'll, we'll hope to see that come from you, Grace Under Fire. I'm also hoping to get the You Can't Deal With Crazy title too. So hopefully you can write <laughs> both of those for us. This has been a fantastic time together. You've uh, shared so much wisdom with us during your career and during this interview. Is there anything else that you would like to add for the listeners here on the call, the live recording, or the listeners who are going to get this? when it goes out from production. CJ, just a heart full of gratitude. I know the path hasn't been easy, particularly recently, but I thank, I thank, I'm thankful every day for the opportunity that I've had to work with such gifted, dedicated educators in the state of Delaware. And that gives me pause when I get, you know, when I do get something that's bothering me, I, count those blessings. And I thank you for everything you do every day. And we appreciate you and also thank you for being on the show, but just thank you for the contributions that you've made in Delaware and beyond. And how about a virtual round of applause for Dr. Susan Bunting from our folks on the call today? This has been great. As always, don't forget to follow the Schoolhouse 302 for podcasts, blog posts, books to read, and more. We'll be back soon with another episode of Focus Ed. And until then, stay focused. And now a word from our sponsors. Hey, Joe, you know what leaders need these days? What's that, TJ? Sleep. A good night's rest, self-care. We've heard it over and over and over again from our guests on the podcast that you can't pour from an empty cup. Leaders need sleep. 
one of the number one ways you can replenish yourself and lead better is a good night's sleep. I hear you, but you know what? I'm so tired. I don't even like thinking about, you know, getting a good night's sleep. But, you know, do tell, how do we go about getting better sleep? Well, I think that's part of your problem is you need a better bed. It always starts with the bed. That's why we recommend Ghostbed, our sponsor, with 30,000 plus five-star reviews. Their patented sleep and cooling technology gets you to sleep faster and longer than any other bed. That's right. And their handcrafted mattresses come with a hundred and one night at home sleep trial and a two times the industry standard warranty. They're absolutely certain that their beds will work for you. And with free shipping within 24 hours of your purchase, it's fantastic support from the company. And guess what? Just for being a listener at the Schoolhouse 302, you get 30% off with the use of our code SH302 at checkout. You go to ghostbed.com. You get some sleep so that you can lead better and grow faster. You use SH302 at checkout. Absolutely. And last thing, even if you don't need a bed, you're thinking, wow, I would love to try out Ghostbed, but I just bought a bed. Refer someone else for a bed at ghostbed.com. You'll get a hundred bucks for helping someone else get a good night's rest. Wow. That's 30% off with SH302 code at ghostbed.com. A hundred bucks for your referral. If you get somebody else a good night's sleep, better sleep for you, better leadership, ghostbed.com. You can't beat it. Ghostbed.com.